My name is Joseph Gallivan, and you're listening to Art Focus on KBOO Portland. My guest this week is photographer Christopher Rauschenberg. He's the co-founder of Blue Sky Gallery, and he's talking about Sidewalk Stories, his show, which is on in the Nine Gallery at Blue Sky through March the 2nd. Thanks very much for doing Art Focus again, Chris. My pleasure. So sidewalk stories, you went to Japan, you walked around these back streets taking pictures of like the sidewalk, the road, the street furniture, a bit of sky in there. It was October last year, right? Yes, that's right. Um, But you didn't just go to Tokyo. So one of the pictures, as you come in on the left, it's on the main wall. It's a cinder block wall, a concrete sidewalk, and then it opens up a little... Um, there's a concrete wall on the right which looks like it's going down to some kind of canal and then a bunch of buildings you know kind of boxy Japanese buildings nothing fancy and then there's this little thing it looks like a stubby pencil the, the roof is kind of multicolored tiles like a, um, fish scales or peacock feathers I think he said it's, a, <laughs> it's just this funny little thing with a slap bang in the middle of the focus so where was this taken and what were you doing with this vision? So this is in uh, Naoshima, which is one of the art islands uh, in South Japan. The, um, they had the same issue that we have in rural America, which is in these small towns and small communities. The young people move away, go to the big cities, and you end up with sort of diminishing population and there's no young people, it's all old people. And uh, in, in, these, in the art islands, what they decided to do is said, let's take these empty buildings and turn them over to artists and architects. There's a James Terrell one. And, and, and have them do installations. And then uh, people who like art, tourists who like art, can come down and, and visit these, these buildings that have been turned into artworks. And there's, there's a couple of museums, a beautiful museum in Teshima, which is one of the art islands, which was one of the peak art experiences I've had in my life. But... But this is waiting for the ferry to go from Naoshima to Teshima, that, that wall that Joseph was talking about that looks like it's on some water, is, that's, that's the edge of the island. <laughs> um, you can see there's a clock in the picture, it's, it's 9.29, we're waiting for the 9.30 ferry. So. <laughs> but, but yeah, so the picture, the picture has uh, a lot of space um, open on the, the sidewalk. As a viewer, you, it's a big print, and you you feel like I think as a viewer that you can walk into it, and you can sort of look around and figure out. There's not it's not obvious what this is a picture of, even though as Joseph says that the, this sort of beautiful, fascinating thing is right in the center, but it's also small and it occupies maybe two percent of the surface area of the image. So, I think for me, the thing that I always want is I want the viewer to feel like they're discovering. The things in the pictures. It's not that I'm lecturing to them, but that they're. If you if you remember back to when you were in school and you you raise your hand so ooh, ooh I know I know teacher I know you know those are the things that we remember from school, not what the teacher lectured to us. So that's the experience I want somebody to have when they come to one of my shows is for them to be the lead explorer and discovering things in the prints, and then when they leave the gallery and go back out on the sidewalk themselves, maybe they discover things out on the sidewalk 
in the same way, using mm-hmm. the same energy, the same skills they just practiced in here. These are all, there's 13 of them and they're big color prints um, and they, they're just pinned to the wall, but they're all at the same kind of eye level, you know, beautifully arranged. And, and your wife, Janet, was saying that it's, it's like you're in, you're, like you're there. But to me, it's a bit like you're in Google Maps where you're just <laughs> clicking on the right, on the arrow and moving around a street view. Um, and the other thing is you travel a lot. You and Janet travel a lot. It's so true. I had you on a show years ago when you'd just come back from India. Oh, yeah. So everyone wants to know, like, what kind of camera are you pulling out when you're walking around a back street? Well, these are shot with a 5D, which is the first... Um, I, I shot film for... 30-something years, and my stepfather, who was very computerish, was like, why don't you get a digital camera? Why don't you get a digital camera? I said, well, the digital cameras are not as good as 35mm. The quality is not there. When the quality gets to be as good as 35mm, I will switch. And, uh, and the 5D was the one that leapt across that barrier. It leapt all the way up to, to medium format. Who, you know, who makes a 5D? Canon. It's oh. Canon 5D. And, and uh, I mean... For a while, it was kind of funny. I would ask, you know, the photographers showing up, this guy, so what did you shoot these with? And they would almost always say a 5D because it was really the one that sort of leapt over that same dividing line that I don't think I was the only one. I'm not going down in quality, you know. But the, the, uh, the thing about shooting digital is it's, it's such a much better workflow in terms of you can, while you're there, you can see if you screw up the exposure somehow. You don't come back from your trip and say, oh my gosh, I, don't, I didn't get that picture of the Mona Lisa. I didn't get that picture of the Pantheon, you know. So you, you can tell right away. Um, but also, uh, it gives you a lot of control. The, um, uh, the, the digital printing, Joseph, you were talking about, you know, gee, do you have really good shadow detail, but the highlights are not blown out, they're controlled. And, and in digital printing, you can control that really well. You can balance that really well. And, and I want, because I want my work to say, if you go out in the world, you can see this. I mean, when I was a black and white photographer, I liked this very dramatic, you know, where the highlights are blasted out, with a, where the light is shining so brightly and stuff. But now I don't want that. I want it to look the way things look with your eye. And you don't walk on the street and, and not have shadow detail and not have highlight detail. Your brain sorts it all out and gives you, gives you a full range of, of detail. So that's what I wanted to mimic in my printing. That's what I wanted to echo. Mm-hmm. Right next to it is another um, street scene. Again, the, so the road, there's no curb here. And the front of this building on the left, sort of a peach-colored building, it has like a, like a, a big hole that must go down to a basement. But there are these five concrete blocks blocking, or cinder blocks. Every, everything in this show, I noticed, the sidewalks look really difficult to navigate. There's always a, like a bollard in the way or a curb or something it just drops down and everything's patched together like different types of surface. But you focus on this building, um, sort of traditional shaped building with a tile roof and it's blue, it has um, a shop sign on it, but then kind of looming out at the top of it is this modern sort of almost like a factory, you know, with a, with a water tower on the ceiling. Um, I mean, apart from you're making us look at like ordinary architecture, yeah. there's nothing in the show that you'd find in a tourist guide, as far as I can tell. Um, 
everything is like the place where the tourist doesn't really take pictures. <laughs> it's it's ordinary life, yeah. Yeah, I mean, I think, so So the, the, the whole interesting is actually a canal that runs along, and they don't want you to fall into it, which is why those blocks are there. But, but yeah, so the, one of the things that was really interesting is even in Tokyo, which is one of the world's biggest cities, the streets are really narrow, They're, and you sort of have mixed cars and pedestrians and bikes all on the same, like, one or maybe two-lane street. <laughs> um, and and it's, very, it's very sort of human scale. It doesn't, it doesn't feel like when you're in Manhattan or something, or, or Mexico City or something like that. It, you, you almost, the whole place kind of feels, uh, I'm not going to say suburban because that's not quite the right thing, but it feels much more muted and quiet and human and, and you don't, I mean, they have some supermarkets, but basically everybody shops at these convenience stores, which have fantastic food. I mean, we had beautiful onigiri, these, you know, these little like uh, rice balls like you might get at the, behind the museum cafe, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, uh, and they were like a dollar. You know, and this fanta- and fresh every day, absolutely. And I mean, everything was on this sort of quieter, more human scale. And I mean, yeah, when you look at this, not having been there, you say, well, how am I supposed to navigate this street? What if a car comes, you know? But the cars aren't going very fast and they're moving around you carefully, you know? And, and so for me, in this picture you're talking about, I was interested in the fact that there's that blue building, but but it's sort of like this shadow of another building that's not there anymore. There's, mm-hmm. there's a higher roof that's a building that was maybe eight or nine feet taller <laughs> um, than, the, than the one that's not there anymore. Um, so for me, that was the sort of interesting thing. That was the, the thing that caught my eye and made me want to photograph. But then there's also this really, they have all these really thin buildings like this, the buildings that are maybe, you know, 12 feet wide or something. You know, this, they, Tokyo is the only giant city in the world that doesn't have housing shortage. And it's really? because they let you build whatever you want to build. They just let you build it. And, and it's also because Japanese people are used to living in, you know, what, one room of your apartment would be a whole apartment in, oh, <laughs> in yeah. Japan. So, yeah. so people are used to living in small spaces, so that means you can get more of them in there. But, but yeah, there's this, so there's this skinny building there. There's a, there's a nice circular sign that's, that's sort of like a setting sun in the sky. There's beautiful um, light and, and shadow pattern on the sidewalk. There's a diamond shape. There's sort of all this other stuff. So for me, it's like the, the blue, not there anymore, building <laughs> was, the, was the sort of home run that I was after. But there's... There's all kind. I've con- deliberately constructed the picture so that might not be the first thing you look at. That might be this fourth thing that you say, mm-hmm. "Oh, and look at this," you know. Mm-hmm. And I have it hanging right next to another picture that has a a echo of a building that's not there anymore. Yeah, yeah. There's a brown building, but on the side of it is a different colored siding. It's white, and it just takes this funny shape, almost like a stock market graph. <laughs> And it does half trace the, the eventual roof line. Um, and then behind that is like a, a wrapped building. It looks like apartments and being cleaned. Sort of pyramid, ziggurat kind of yeah. building behind that, which echoes the peak roofs and mm-hmm. stuff. So for me, yeah, and, and I, you know, I like the fact that there's a big arrow kind of pointing you along. And, mm-hmm. and, I mean, to me, it's about kind of what's a... Um, What's a playground that gives you lots of things to play with? Not just like, oh yeah, we only have swings here. <laughs> if you want to do seesaw, I got some of that too. You know? 
several of well i think several of your pictures have a large mass on the left side that's sort of a cut off mm. of a big building it's sort of yeah, blocking three in a row here. yeah why why do you do that um it's not a particularly uh, it's not something that i especially do but i still want to have deep space so if i if like in the one that i was just talking about there's a road that runs up the side that runs you know you can kind of see along two or three blocks so if I'm at an angle, that means the other side of the frame, I'm going to be close up to something. <laughs> um, and uh, so uh, there does tend to be a bit of something, and, and it's the same in, in actually all three of these pictures that have the big shape on the, on the left, big building shape on the left. On the right, they all have a road that you can go down that, that takes you out of the frame on the side, but off into the distance. And, and this one also goes, uh, uh, the, the fourth one on that wall, you're going up the street to the right. It doesn't have a big thing on the left. It just has a front of a car. <laughs> but, but this was more about uh, is more of a percussion piece or something with a lots of uh, <laughs> lots of little uh, cones with lines on them and don't hit this concrete telephone pole, oh, yellow black and black marker, and then there's six like water meters with six circles on them, and I mean, it's uh -huh. it's this kind of funny um, drum solo for the show. <laughs> it looks like it could be in Seaside, Oregon. <laughs> well, I, I think it would be the entire collection of traffic cones that they have in Seaside, Oregon. One of the things, and Labrie Rich talked to me about this when she and Bill Will were in, in uh, Japan, and Labrie actually made felt uh, traffic cones <laughs> that she had in a, in a show in the, in the No Strings at Blue Sky. And uh, there's just these traffic cones everywhere, in all different colors, brown ones, orange ones, green ones, black and white ones. There's, just, there's little, little cones everywhere. And it's, it's sort of a... Um, it's like a sort of a friendly version of a world populated by garden gnomes or something. There's little cones everywhere. <laughs> is that because they're always changing the flow of everything? I don't know. It's it's uh, it's a mystery. I, I don't know why they why they have them, but I, I think it's just something that that appeals to them. <laughs> you, you just have to have some, you know. Mm -hmm. My name is Joseph Gallivan, and you're listening to Art Focus on KBOO Portland. My guest this week is photographer Christopher Rauschenberg. He's talking about his show, Sidewalk Stories, which is on now at the Nine Gallery inside Blue Sky Gallery in Old Town. One of these pictures is a lot more um, kind of rustic than the others. It's got a bunch of trees dirt you're in a park there's a, a kind of a, a gate like a uh i don't know what kind of gate but there's a, there's a like a chinese lion with red red lettering and um yeah and then there's this sort of stone straight stone path leading through the park what what why did you change things up for this well, this was this is in Tokyo, so this is actually one of the more urban <laughs> settings in the show. Um, but yes, it's a, it's a little kind of part. Tokyo is full of places of great calm. Um, in fact, we we went. Um, I was traveling with my wife and our two longtime best friends, who we've traveled with a lot, including when we went to India. When I was talking to you, um, Kebu, last time, and uh, and I wanted to go. There's a there's a, a huge cosplay thing that happens in Japan with people getting dressed up in these wild things and. And Sundays, there's one particular uh, metro stop where people gather to do all this stuff. And I said, oh, let, I want to go there. You know? And everybody said, okay. And we went there, and it was this complete, it was like Times Square, New Year's Eve or something. It was like mobs of people. And, uh, and just, just on a normal weekend? Yeah, yeah. 
And, uh, and Janet and Jimmy sort of went, uh, this is too many people for me. Get me out of here. <laughs> and we walked one block into park and it was complete like you were in out in the Olympic Peninsula. It was complete calm. Mm. We didn't see a single person. It was this beautiful, calm nature. So anyway, so this is, this is actually pretty near a, a kind of a, a shopping district kind of a place. But just this sort of quiet park, and it has, uh, it has sort of, uh, you know, sort of a, a shrine there. It has, as you say, this, this stone lion. It has, a, it has a bathroom because Japan is so good. I mean, it, wherever you are in Japan, if you need to go to the bathroom, there is one, and it's really nice. Oh, really? <laughs> it's, it, wow. I, I don't know what Japanese people think when they come to America. I was going to say, what do they think of the, the Portland Loo in, in the park blocks? Well, they they wouldn't be imp- they would they would not be impressed with anywhere in America how difficult it is to go to the bathroom. But the Portland Loo is at least making an effort, but it's not. It wouldn't meet Japanese standards. But anyway, but but yes. Yeah, so I, I really like the feeling in this park. There, I mean, you you sort of we were wondering uh, what's called sidewalk stories and where are the stories? But for me, the story is something that I'm having the viewer write. I'm basically. I'm basically creating the set like in the theater piece <laughs> and and I'm making you as the viewer be the actor and the, the writer of the story. Um, and so for me, it has this feeling of um, being in a place of great uh, calm and contemplation, but with a road leading back out into the city. So it's sort of about, for me anyway, it's sort of about I can linger here and I but I can see my path is going to take me out of here again. Mm-hmm. So. And you caught the light beautifully. There is sunshine in the distance coming through the trees. Uh, again, all the shadow areas are <clears throat> really visible. So how do you do that? Is that just Photoshop? Yeah, well, I've, I've, been, I've been printing on the computer for quite a while mm-hmm. now, for you know, over 20 years. So, you know, the more you do it, the more you kind of get used to it. And the thing about this was the, the way the sunlight was coming, it, the whole picture basically is in shadow, except that these green leaves are catching the sun. So they were really green. And I had to kind of calm them down a little bit. <laughs> now, come on, nobody's going to believe this, you know. <laughs> so I want it to look, I want it to look like something that, that's not being exaggerated, that I'm not uh, telling a tall tale or something. Mm-hmm. I want you to feel like, oh, if I've been there, this is what I would see. And for me, those, those leaves being so sort of psychedelically green, the fact is, if you were there, you would have seen that. But, you know, your, your camera is different than your eyes. And your eyes, you wouldn't, you wouldn't have it be quite so crazy. Right. So, so I need to kind of back that away and keep the camera from, from seeing in a, in a contrastier way than we do. Mm-hmm. So you use a wide-angle... <clears throat> you shoot wide-angle lens. And you said that is because it lets the viewer feel their sort of stepped up close to the picture. Is that right? Yeah, I, I, they're all shot with a 24mm lens, the equivalent of 35mm, but 24mm lens. And, and for me, it, it creates a sense of space. I mean, if you're used to, if you look at uh, apartment listings, they're always shot with a wide-angle lens because it makes the apartment look big. Um, but for me, the, the fact that you have to walk right up to something um, you have to be very close to something makes you as a viewer when you look at my picture like feel like you're in the space you're not looking at it I haven't backed up across the street I'm not shooting it from the other side of the street I'm shooting it from this side of the street <laughs> mm-hmm. so I'm putting you on this side of the street not across the street 
And so for me, it's, I'm, I'm taking sort of every available strategy to, to lure you into wanting to explore the print. Um, and that's one of them, is that it's right, you're right there, you know. You don't have to cross the street to get to it. It's, it's right there. Um, and, and it does have more of a sense of space, so I can have... Many of the pictures have like a road going deep into the mm-hmm. frame, which is, which is inviting you and saying, yes, this is, a, this is a three-dimensional space. Enter into it and look around mm-hmm. and explore. So for me, that's the, that's the um, absolutely thing that I need in my pictures. And, and if periodically, I have had now, I've had a pocket camera that has had zoom lenses. The one I have now, so I have a camera in my pocket all the time. This one is only a 28 millimeter lens. What is it? This, this is a Ricoh uh, GR. I like it very well, actually. Mm-hmm. Um, but so I no longer have any kind of a zoom lens. It's because when, when I would be shooting with it, I would have something that was far away that I couldn't get close to. I said, well, let me just shoot that anyway. And I never liked the picture. I just never did. It didn't have a sense of space. It didn't have a sense oh. of invitation into it. It's just like, it was, to me, it was like, uh, you know, collecting butterflies or spoons or something. It's like, oh, here's an interesting object for you to look at. But it didn't feel like it was part of a scene. It didn't have a space. It didn't have a story around itself. It was just being plucked out, you know? <laughs> That's really so. interesting. The one on the main wall that you face as you come in, there's three, and then the one... The, the park is on the left. The one on the right is one of these spaces where I would find it really hard to know where to walk. There's a, it looks like a bike lane down lower than a road. And then there's a sort of a gutter, <clears throat> like a rain, a deep rain gutter. And then the left side goes up a slope with a crash barrier. And there's a sloping wall with this um, sort of diamond patterned brickwork and a green fence. This is, to me seems like an awkward space, but you said you walk there like every day. <laughs> yeah, when, when we were in Naoshima, between the place that we were staying and, and the, the people there recommended us a, a place that was, uh, that was a good place to, to eat, and we thought it was great, so we would, we would go there all the time. So this was, this was a walk that we did probably six or eight times at least. Um, and yes, you don't know where to walk and you, you're crossing the street and looking for cars and all this stuff and everything. But one of the things that I like about it was that there's, there's a, it's a complicated space because as you say, on the left, the road is going uphill and on the right, the road is going basically level, but then it feels like downhill. And actually when you cross the corner, it does go downhill, but you can't see that from here. Um, and, and kind of right at that confluence where it's going around the corner, there's this, there's like a, a, a uh, an hourglass shape <laughs> with a yield sign and a triangle that goes the other way, meeting the two points. Mm-hmm. Meeting. And I felt, and, and it's on a pole that for some reason kind of waves, doesn't go straight up, it kind of has an S shape to it. And I just felt like that's a, that's, that's a beautiful object that I would photograph by itself. Mm-hmm. But then the, having it in, encased in a rich space is, makes it so much better. And, 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 you know, it may, I mean, when you were describing the picture, you didn't describe that. So it's like that, you didn't go straight to that. And a viewer might not, but I feel like ultimately the viewer would find it. And, and the, the crash rail has a nice sort of curve to it at the bottom. Mm-hmm. And there's a, there's a leaf on the ground that, that I like the way it was sitting. And, and here in the one next to it, here's a place. This, this is where it's a big tower. And the purpose of the tower is to have a place to dry fire hoses. 
Really? Yeah, here's a drying That's fire it. hose. Well, I mean, I think it's a, I think it's it's a not, view. It's, it's not it's, a cell phone tower? I, it wasn't a cell phone tower, it might, I don't think, but it might have been a, uh, a sort of a lookout tower, like a fire lookout tower or right. something, yeah. And so, then this is going steeply uphill over here, and then this road is sort of zigzagging around. And this was actually a hard one to print because it's the, there was a big contrast between where the sun, there's a mountain in the background, there was a sun, bright sun on it, and then the whole rest of the picture is in kind of deep shadow. Mm -hmm. And it's like, how do I, how do I calm this picture down? <laughs> you know? um, and the one next to it too also it has a lot of stuff in shadow and then bright sun. And, yeah. uh, and I just, I, I don't want it to, to become abstracted in the way that a black and white picture of that would become abstracted. I want it to feel like this is a real space you can go down. So. Again, with the digital workflow, it's, it's so much easier to, uh, to deal with that. I actually selected out the shadow area and selectively lightened that. Mm -hmm. Now, would that, in the old days, would that have been dodge and burn? That would be dodge and burn, but it would be, that's, it's like half the picture. So it would be very, it'd be very hard to dodge and burn. <clears throat> um, and, uh, and once I have it selected out, I can, I can sort of modulate and say, okay, what about this, the sun half of the picture versus the shadow half? I can go back and forth. I can change the color balance between the two, which mm. you, would, you couldn't do very easily with dodging and burning in a, in a uh, enlarger. <laughs> you could change the filter pack for your, for your burning or something, but it would be very tricky. And so there's a, there's a level of control that the digital printing has that, that for me is not about making the picture wilder and wilder. It's about giving the, the exaggeration that photography brings to things, calming that down into the way our brain makes sense out of the information that our eyes gather in. Mm -hmm. Because you feel like you're just looking at something, you're just seeing everything in the room, but you actually have the area of your vision that's sharp is, is a tiny spot that, that moves around and sort of paints a picture in your brain. We had a blue sky uh, and photolucida volunteer uh, at one point who, who hurt her eye, so the white of her eye was red, and it finally cleared up after a long time, and one morning she got up, glanced at herself in the mirror, and her eye was red again. She went, what? And she looked back at it, and no, it was white. But her brain had pulled up an old browser page. <laughs> <laughs> you know? So what we see wow. is, is not, mm -hmm. it's not what the camera sees, and so I'm trying to mimic that. You, but in Japan, you went out, really, these are the kind of back streets. There's no people around, there's no cars. There's stuff everywhere, like cones, there's a blue bucket, <laughs> aluminum ladder. Yeah. Um, I never saw the person who was using that ladder. I don't know where they were. <laughs> Do you, did you need there to be no one around for this to work? Um, well, I've taken pictures in very crazy situations. I did a series of pictures of Angkor Wat, which was like a thousand people around me all taking selfies every minute and I just wait until there's a moment where there's nobody in my picture <laughs> so my, my wife and my friends are very patient about I'm just gonna stand here for three minutes until there randomly is a moment where there's nobody there but in Japan it was very easy there, there just weren't that many people around even in the big cities they're they're very s spread out and and it's uh, well we did have a place where we had to flee because there were so many people it freaked everybody out except me um, but, uh, but for the most part, most of the time we were in Japan, we were not in crowded places. Mm -hmm. when, we, when we were doing the, the, the thousand Torai gates and all that, then yeah, then there's a million people. But... Mm -hmm. And then the, the, um, the final one that I like is, um, it's the, 
another street it has a kink in it it just goes forward yeah. and just makes a, a sort of 60 degree bend there's steel plates down the middle and a lot of kind of ruptured tarmac and then somebody's potted plants uh, it really is like an alley yeah. um, but the houses are quite nice you know and there's they've got that charred wood yeah. which i presume is a style it's yeah that was a lot of that this is in naoshima in the art island and uh, and yes there were all, a lot of these charred wood styles and this one had this modern one across from it which i thought was kind of interesting and and then as you say that the, the the bend and the, the sort of boomerang in the street mm -hmm. I, I found very sort of compelling. And, but it has this feeling of being a real lived-in place. It doesn't, even though they're turning it into a tourist destination, it still feels like a lived place. Yeah. It, it feels like this is people's home. My name's Joseph Gallivan. You've been listening to Art Focus on KBOO Portland. My guest this week was photographer Christopher Rauschenberg. He was talking about his show, Sidewalk Stories, which is on now at the Nine Gallery inside Blue Sky, and that's in Old Town, and it runs through March the 2nd. Thanks very much for doing Art Focus again, Chris. Thank you. It's my pleasure. Andy, whoa, whoa, looks a scream. Hand him on my whoa, whoa, whoa. Andy, whoa, whoa, silver scream. Can't tell them apart.